In the name of the Holy Spirit, Amen. There's a part of me that always chuckles a little bit when it comes to Pentecost in the Episcopal Church. Because although the reading from Acts was beautiful, thank you all who read, we do still continue to behave like good staid Episcopalians sitting neatly in our pews. And here I am up in the pulpit getting ready to preach to you such good staid Episcopalians all, right? But that's not what today is about. It's not about being a good staid anything. There's been a lot of writing in recent years about a growing movement called the Emerging Church. And you say that in a mainline denomination like ours, and a lot of question marks slowly start to rise over people's heads. Not not tongues of fire, but question marks, mind you. What's that? Emerging Church. Is it a new fad? Are they going to ask for money? Are they going to take away from our programs and budget? Are they going to remove the pews? (laughs) The answer that comes back says that the emerging church is something post-denominational, post-evangelical, post-Christian right, post-institutional, post-mainline, post-liberal, post-modern, and just about post-everything. And it's marked by people who have grown tired of the old theological, social, and political battles and want to gather and serve in a renewed and authentic way around Christ. But the funny thing is they want to do it using some old traditions. Go figure. One writer who shared an article this week talked about it as being a movement that is marked by nothing except irony. They are not bound by the walls of buildings or by the traditional geographical or demographic constituencies of parishes and congregations. They're much more diverse politically, socially, in terms of background, ethnically, than the church has been in many, many years. And yet they are much harder to pin down on the map. You don't necessarily find them at the corner of Old Mill and Lovell. They're out there. They gather in homes. They gather in coffee shops. Sometimes, sometimes, they gather among us. And the funny thing is, it's not just about them. It's us as well. In our Episcopal Diocese here in the Bay Area, we're being led in fits and starts towards something resonant with this emerging church movement, and it's called area ministry. And again, you go to a church meeting where this is presented, and all the state Episcopalians sit in the pews like you're doing, and the question marks go up. Not tongues of fire over the heads, but question marks. What's that? Is this the newest thing to get the Episcopal Church growing again when we all feel like we're dying? What does this mean, we ask, like the people at that first Pentecost in Jerusalem centuries ago? What does this mean? 
and no one seems to have an exactly straight or clear answer. Not even the bishop does. But it has something to do with traditionally Episcopalian congregations working together with other churches and other local community organizations and individuals who want to make a difference together in the world. It has no absolutely set structure or clear agenda, except to further the work of the gospel of Christ Jesus given us by the Spirit. And that's not much of an agenda, is it? You know, general convention happens this summer, and this isn't conventional stuff. But it's starting to take root. And it's starting to take root most among those congregations of the diocese that are having a hard time making ends meet. And what do they have to do? They have to reach out. Some of them for the first time to their neighborhoods. And what they're discovering is their neighborhoods don't look like them. One wonderful example is St. John the Evangelist in San Francisco. Now, the convention is that St. John the Evangelist is traditionally a gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered church in the Tenderloin. But you know what they did? They welcomed another Episcopal congregation that's Latino, mostly Peruvian, in the same neighborhood. And now they're sharing ministry together. And some amazing things are starting to happen. That's area ministry. Because their neighborhood is not only LGBT, and it's not only Peruvian, and it's not only Latino, it's all of those things at the same time. And now they're engaging ministry like that together. I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. But what does it mean? What is meant by all the buzz about emerging church and area ministry? What is meant by all the talk of declining institutional churches and the end of an era and the beginning of a new undefined one? What exactly is meant by all of this new life in our midst and what best to do with it? Is it just a passing fad? Or is it something truly new and life-giving? Part of me wants to answer, beats me. Part of me wants to laugh with joy and call it the work of the Spirit. Because like the first apostles, we are met by a Spirit who is suddenly stirring up the people and the children even, surprising us and bewildering us by throwing open the doors of institutional religion and knocking down the barriers that have divided us from our sisters and brothers for so long. This Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit at that first Pentecost, seems to care very little about what's conventional, about the way we think things ought to be. Instead, this Holy Spirit is infinitely more interested in bringing together the people and the gifts that make up who we are to become. And nobody knows what that's going to look like except God. And God ain't telling. At least not me. This is the spirit who wreaks havoc on our best laid and most careful plans and our most closely held assumptions about the way things are. 
who wreaks havoc on all of that so that new life in the gospel may emerge. He's awake now. This morning we baptize Ian Maxwell Van Crete into this life in the spirit. And as James and Michelle and his godparents and all who love him already know, the spirit is already working through Ian, making life unpredictable and full of surprises. Surely not. Uncertain and unscheduled, yeah? Emerging and unpredictable. In fact, this is truly the spiritual challenge that children pose, even the most carefully organized of parents. Come on, all you Marin parents. Yeah? Yeah? Am I right? Okay, good. The spirit, you see, waits for no person, and it waits for no church, and it waits for no institution. The best most of us can do is simply run and try to keep up. The good news, of course, is that this spirit works as God's spirit has always done, and that is through people, the people of God. Filling us with new grace and energy for ministry, building up a new community organically and sometimes spontaneously out of the old, an emerging one that defies old institutional limitations with a renewed sense of mission and purpose of grace for a world in need. And this is the adventure of grace that began at Pentecost, this day we've come to celebrate as the birthday of the church. And it's into that grace and that grace we honor in Ian this day through baptism. And it's on that church made of the people of God not merely an institution, but made of the people of God, a community endowed with the gifts of the Spirit. It's on that church that Ian will have claims in the years to come. He's listening so attentively, too. So what happens next? Well, a baptism, if I have to lay odds. But what happens to this place and all of us together in an hour or a day or a week or a year? And what will it mean? Beats me. But the excitement of not knowing for certain keeps me in this life of the Spirit. How about you? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 
1907-1907. Or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.